0: Do you want to know the secrets of the secondhand subculture? Everything about auctions, estate sales, appraisals, and downsizing? What about learning how to make some extra money in the resale world? Well, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Why Don't You Want My Stuff, the podcast hosted by professional appraiser, auctioneer, and the host of YouTube's Last Week at the Auction, Josh Levine.
1: Hey everybody, we are back with why don't you want my stuff and you know I'm gonna continue on with the series of how you can make more by knowing more There are so many things in the antique and collectible world That you need to know if you want to make money with a side hustle if you're downsizing helping somebody downsize having an estate sale yard sale uh, There's so many things out there that I've seen people throw away uh, or just, just the lack of knowledge. One of the things that used to drive me crazy is when families would come to me and they'd say, you know what? We're not ready for you yet. Can you wait? And I'd say, do me a favor. Don't clean the house out before I get there. I'm telling you, you know, you're going to throw away something that's valuable. And some of them would take that. So literal that they would leave all the food in the house and everything for months and months and months. And, uh, you know, and then some would just be like, oh, he was just kidding. We know better. And they would go and I'd end up uh, hoping that they had the dumpster still in the yard because we'd go dumpster diving. I'll never forget watching an entire antique uh, Christmas collection that got thrown in a dumpster get poured on while they were telling me they threw away all the stuff. And, oh, it was sad. I did rescue a few few thousand dollars but a lot of the boxes original boxes and stuff got ruined but anyway i can tell you sad stories too but what i want you to get out of this podcast and everything is really the empowerment of knowing a little more than you knew before. A lot of you, a lot of uh, season collectors and, uh, and resellers listen to my podcast and watch the YouTube channel and stuff, and they'll be like, "Oh, I knew that. I knew that." Yes, I expect a lot of you know it, and a lot of it I glaze over it because I may not even be a subject matter expert. A couple of things I'm going to talk about, I'm just giving you to put it in your head to look for these things, because I every one of these things have an expert, an expert, and that. It's actually a problem sometimes. I'm what's called a generalist. I know enough about enough to be dangerous in several genres, uh, and I have found that has served me well through ups and downs of the economy, ups and downs, you know, in collectibles. Like something's hot this month and not, you know, you don't get pigeonholed or stuck in, when in your buying and reselling, you know, for to make a living. So, and also in downsizing, or you don't get stuck on the fact that something was worth a lot of money and now currently isn't. It's called in psychology, there's a great book uh, called uh, Irrational Predictability. Um, Dan Airely, if I pronounced your name wrong, I apologize. That book is phenomenal about the psychology of how people think. And there's a great um section in there on what they call a price anchor. And that's when grandma told you something's worth something and it's, Sticks in your head, like it, you hold on to it like an anchor. It could never go down, you know, supply and demand as it no, doesn't play into grandma's chest of drawers that she told you was worth $1,500. And at the time she told you could have been worth $1,500. It could have been 1987 and people cared about, you know, this period of antiques. Well, now all of a sudden it's worth $200, but you say, no, it was worth $1,500. So by now it should be worth 5000 just like everything, everything always goes up. The values always go up, but it's not true. We know that. So again, knowing more about these genres can really help alleviate some of that when you go, wow, nobody wants that anymore. Maybe I'll get into this. And there are things that as I'm, as I'm doing this podcast, I'm learning every day. Like I had told you, I shared with you a couple of uh, weeks ago about uh, cassette tapes. There's a lot of things in here I'll share with you. And They'll be, maybe they're hot right now. Maybe they're collectible now, but three, three months from now, maybe they're passe or maybe they've even gone crazier. And some of you experts in each one of these genres, I, you know, I love when you send me uh, some input and you email me and tell me what you think about these things. Cause let's just jump in. Okay. That was a lot of diatribe there. So I'm going to jump in. First one I'm going to go into is barware. Barware is one of those ones. It's, it's the genre I'm going to call it. It includes cocktail shakers, uh tumbler glasses, especially those mid-century barware pieces. So think madman, you know, think the the 50s, 60s tumblers, you'd see anything a scotch would look great in, which is anything, Dixie cups included. Although it eats through a Dixie cup. Yeah, they look really good in your scotch looks good in your belly too, yeah. But um it's barware is what you're looking for. The, you know, martinis are back in, well, martinis have been pretty, pretty cool for about four or five years, but the barware and COVID they said had a lot to do with it. People were having online cocktail parties via zoom. And it was like, look at my, you know, look at my, uh, cocktail set I have. So you're looking for the shakers, the tumblers, the sets, the more ornate, the better. Uh, George Briard, they're, they're the uh, fancy prints where it's like that, that plastic coat on the outside of the glasses and that mid-century look. That's really in right now. I just saw a Zeppelin cocktail shaper, shaker from the thirties. It was shaped like a Zeppelin and it brought $4,000. Yeah, you'll find that. And at Goodwill, it would be there for 10 bucks because. Most people don't know that. So look at those cocktail shaper- shakers. Again, obviously, make sure it's not a reproduction from, you know, because as soon as this stuff's cool, Ikea's making it, Target's got it, all that stuff. So they'll make reproductions of them. But when you pick up a real one and feel it, you'll know. And also just look at the bottom, check out the name, Google it, you'll figure it out. Barware. Again, when you're cleaning out an estate, that's the kind of stuff you'll find. Uh, but think again, Madman Playboy Mansion, you know that kind of that that vibe. So that's one I wanted to share with you. Another one I want to share with you, and this one is is one I have literally probably, gosh, I know I've sold for myself and clients over two three hundred thousand dollars worth of fountain pens. I've sold fountain pen collections, pens. Look for pens. They are in drawers. It's one of the first thing people do when they're cleaning out a house. They pull out mom's junk drawer and they dump it and they don't realize dad had some nice fountain pens in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, Parker, Schaefer, Montblanc, Blanc, uh, Pelican, Wall. Gosh, there's so many different pen manufacturers. And you have to understand that was, that was the iPad. You know, this was the iPad was a piece of paper and this stylus your your pen was they were very expensive in their day too and again you're looking for fountain pens there are some dip pens from the 19th century and uh, early 20th century that are valuable there's also some that are made out of gold and sterling silver etc and some of it that's the intrinsic value there but Parker and Wall and Montblanc and Pelican, they have these pens, you know, they had 14 karat gold nibs and all this. And again, someone will look at it and go, Oh, it's an old dried up pen. I, I can't use it. Well, someone out there on eBay wants two, $300, give you two or $300 for several of these. And if you find a drawer filled with them. Yeah, cha-ching. So, and again, they're not all worth a fortune, but 20, 30 bucks a pen. And if you found $20 in grandma's drawer, wouldn't you want that $20? So, yeah, it's, you know, that's what it is. Now, don't do this if grandma's still alive. She wants that $20. So give it to her. But anyway, I just want you to be on the lookout for pens. That is one that just recently, gosh, when I say recently, I always have to subtract two years because of COVID, two years for going out of business. Uh, okay. Five years ago. <laughs> wow. Does that, is that what happens when you get older? You start telling stories like yesterday, five years ago, you know, um, a lifetime ago for, for a small child, uh, I was at a house, uh, off a of cactus here in Phoenix and, uh, the family had called me in to take a look at the estate and I walked through. And the first thing I did is I walked into the office and I said, "Uh, what are those pens in the garbage can? And they're like, yeah, we just emptied the drawers out so you could see the desk. And there was no joke, $10,000 we got for the pens that were in that garbage can. And that got us the rest of the contract because they were so happy with it. So again, knowing that those pens were something was a big deal. Next, legos i'm gonna go into legos i've done videos on legos and talking about legos and again by no means a legos expert i just know if i'm cleaning out an estate or see it and i see old legos and not even necessarily that old early 2000s you know the dark ages you know um so pre oh no that's post britney i'm trying to think what the early 2000s you know uh let's see you know the era, of the Backstreet Boys and Sync and stuff like that. The Legos from way back then, some of them are worth a fortune. Star Wars Legos, Um, gosh, any of the any of the character Legos from this period. What you're looking for is the actual minifigs. If obviously sealed original boxes would be my preferred, but again, if your kid played with it or took it out, you're looking for the minifigs. And some of these min- miniature figures are worth a small fortune. So what I like to do is, again, I don't know all of the figures to look for, even their weapons, their, their little accessories. Because, again, what got lost? That's what got lost. So there's people that are looking for these. And you always know things are hot when they're making reproductions of them and the Chinese are making fakes of them, which they're doing of these little figures. So be careful when you see them at a flea market for sale in an individual package and the guy has it priced just right. You know that it's probably not a real one. So you, I'm talking fresh fresh out of that toy box in the estate you're cleaning out an estate or you're doing a yard sale or you're moving and downsizing and you go hey my kids got a bunch of you know 80s 90s 2000 lego sets pull out all the minifigs what i like to do at especially goodwill what they tend to do is they'll just bag up a bunch of legos and they'll be like six bucks four bucks five bucks bag i hold the bag up to the light look for the minifigs i go there's 10 15 in there you can't go wrong with that I'll buy a bunch of the bags. I'll lay it out. I'll go. I got 20 miniature figures. I put them together as best I can, take a shot, put them on eBay. And then after I get 150 bucks and I go, that cost me 20 bucks for the four bags I bought. I got 150 bucks. That's a good investment. So, and not a lot of work and a lot of fun. And then you take all the extra Legos and all the other stuff and just resell that as a pile by the pound. It's money. It's a money making business. All right. Legos. Keep an eye out for those. Another one that's a, I like junk drawer stuff, playing cards. There are a lot of sets of playing cards out there that are collectible, and they all have different genres of why they're collectible. 19th century playing cards can be worth a small fortune. I've seen sets uh, early, like Civil War era sets bring, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. But uh, Tiffany made sets that they sold at the Tiffany stores. They probably didn't manufacture them, but they packaged them and sold them. I just saw one sell for $4,000 a couple of weeks ago on my show. Uh, I think we had an episode where we had the Tiffany set on on uh, last week at the auction. And then what you're looking for is advertising sets. So in the 30s and 40s, all the airlines had them. So you're looking for, there's people that are trying to collect. You know, I want every set of piedmont airlines or that i want every set of twa and there's people that collect those so again the earlier and more rare the obscure um the like trucking companies there's people that collect peterbilt they'll collect mac trucks has early because they were in their gift stores they were giveaways that kind of stuff so these playing cards again 20, 30 bucks a pack. Then there's Chem, a company, uh, K-E-M. Again, I'm just giving you samples for you. You gotta do some homework here. Because there's a lot of playing cards, you know, with kittens and dogs and puppies that nobody wants, you know, well, they want those puppies, but you know, they're just, they're not the valuable sets and condition does matter and being complete matters. So you look for all that. but a lot of times, you know, people got a deck of cards. They played on the cruise ship in 1950 and they put it in the, uh, put it in, hopefully they played on the Titanic, got off the boat and kept that set. And that could happen too. But what you're looking for are these really cool sets out there. There's a lot of them out there. And again, it's just cash in the drawers. It's it's a really cool one, and then yearbooks. This is my last one. I'm going to do today until I tell you something other strange collectible. But uh, yearbooks, yearbooks are um, they're an odd one, and they were a little hotter a few years back. But I always grab a yearbook, and by now you can you can Google the school and the year. And see who, what you're looking for is celebrities that were in that class, po- politicians, important, you know, anybody important was in that class. I think just a few a few months back we had um, Obama's fourth grade yearbook, and it was like I don't know, sixteen hundred dollars or something like that. Um, but that shows you what it is. I once found a stash of um, it was um, yearbooks from West Point, and it had like major po- known politicians in this one graduating class. And it was like a $500 book. Again, these are at Goodwills. They're at thrift stores. Whenever I see a yearbook, I always pull it out and just flip through it. And maybe just Google like night if, if it's Baltimore, you know, Baltimore, uh, high school in Baltimore, Maryland, you just Google it and the year and if someone's ever sold one and knows who's in there, it, and then you might have signatures in there. Someone signed their yearbook and that just adds to the value. So keep an eye out for that. So I think that's all I got for you for today. I know people can only take my podcast in short, uh, in short stints because I'm annoying and, uh, lovable. And, uh, yeah, but I got a strange collectible for you today. Which one am I going to give you? Dental tools. This is in honor of my my friend Terry Work. By the way, I should be on his podcast one of these days. He keeps threatening to have me in there on a Saturday. Um, Terry, uh, I was uh, people collect dental tools, and the older the better, especially early uh, early dental tools. Uh, dental cabinets are quite collectible, and uh, man, I'll never forget the time uh, someone brought me an entire like mouth. Uh, full of like gold fillings. And I was like, oh, so it's worth it for the gold. They're like, yeah, the gold and the collectible value of dental tools. And the set sold for like $20,000 and it was about $8,000 worth of gold. So it wasn't about the gold. It was about the really cool historic value of these these pieces. So dental tools, if you see anybody's got an old dental cabinet or anything like that, any old medicine, that's money strange collectible, especially when you're selling part partials. I'm not kidding. Like old partials and yeah, people like that. Some jaws, you know, side of a jaw. Yeah. Really hot. I want to see that in, in your, uh, China cabinet. When I come over to your house, that's all I got. Why don't you want my stuff? Let's talk next week.
0: Thank you for listening to why don't you want my stuff with Josh Levine. If you're interested in learning more or becoming an expert, Please follow and support the show by rating us on your favorite podcast player. Engage with us. If you have ideas or questions, send an email to josh at joshlevinespeaks.com. Or you can visit www.joshlevinespeaks.com. We'd love to talk about your question on the show. This has been a T-Door production. Music by RKVC.